And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give Sal a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn. That's right. If you, if you are traveling and you need a place to stay, don't stay any place other than a Holiday Inn property. And hey, listen, I can get you a deal. That's right. If you use, uh, if you call our special toll-free number, which is uh, 844-603-0364. You'll get a Billy C. discount. That's 844-603-0364. Or, if you're like me, just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and uh, click on the banner. You can't miss it. Uh, you know, staying at a Holiday Inn Express, you might you might come back the next morning uh, thinking you're a doctor. I don't know. I don't know. Holiday Inn Properties. And today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino. From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this show. Just visit bondsandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why uh, uh, I'm so adamant about getting this guy's story told. Uh, he is, uh, uh, it, it, listen, Molino is uh, a piece of history, a piece of boxing history, a piece of black history. It's a true story. You got to read it. It's amazing. Uh, and the sad part is nobody even knows who he is today. So, And don't worry, we're still working on the movie. Um, coming up uh, on the show, we got a lot of stuff to cover today. Uh, uh, unforeseen absence uh, from the show this week. And uh, I feel uh, terrible about it, but some uh, uh, things beyond my control uh, prevented us from doing the show, so I apologize for that. Luckily... All of our affiliates, uh, both uh, TV and radio, all had uh, shows to air. So everybody watching uh, us or listening to us on the radio dial um, or on the television network scene, you guys got to see a show. But uh, everybody watching uh, live or uh, playing on demand or or uh, a podcast or any of those other uh, avenues that the show's available, well, you've got a chance to, to do some other stuff. So, Other stuff with the show, I hope. I hope you went back and maybe caught a show or two you missed. But um, Coming up on the show today, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to talk about. As a matter of fact, uh, we, may, uh, we very well uh, may uh, uh, go over our time, so uh, I'll apologize in advance for that, for the uh, networks. Um, first up, I mean, I got updates on Manny Pacquiao. I got uh, updates on uh, Triple G. I got updates uh, on uh, the fights from the weekend. Uh, Adrian Broner. We got fight breakdowns and predictions for a bunch of fights that are coming up. Uh, but first, I'm going to start off with something that's really kind of bothers me. Um you're probably saying, well, everything bothers you, Billy C. No, 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 not everything, just some things. But uh, this bothers me because, you know, I hear a lot from people who, uh, uh, who uh, 
you know, want, oh, clean sport, clean sport. You know, everybody wants a clean sport. And then you get these guys that might not be big names in, in our sport of boxing. And uh, they're always in the forefront. Everybody's always hearing about them testing positive or doing something wrong and, and how the hammer comes down on them, right? Well, we had an opportunity for this sport of boxing to gain some integrity. And when a big name, big star, big draw, big, 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 uh, Canelo Alvarez uh, gets popped for uh, using uh, performance-enhancing drugs, was he a man and admitted that he made a mistake? No, he, he denied it, okay? Um, he couldn't deny the test results. The commission who was in charge, Nevada State Athletic Commission, couldn't deny the test results, had to do something. The writing on the wall was that he was going to get suspended. So rather than stand and take it like a man, Canelo backs out of the fight with Triple G, walks away, uh, goes and has some surgery done. Meanwhile, back at the Nevada State Athletic Commission ranch, uh, they held a hearing the other day. And um, I thought that the Nevada State Athletic Commission was kind of doing the right thing. Uh, it, it, they hinted around that they were going to come down on, on Canelo. In my opinion, they slapped him on his wrist. They issued him a six-month suspension, which is retroactive to the testing date in February. So this guy, will his suspension will be lifted in August, and miraculously, he'll be ready to fight in September. Um, gutless, spineless piece of garbage, Nevada State Athletic Commission uh, should have made a stronger statement than six months. As a matter of fact, Canelo didn't even show up for this meeting. He wasn't even didn't even have the, the, the professionalism to sit there and face the consequences. He wasn't even there. Instead, he went and was back at home. You know, instead of, of, of suffering of a six-month suspension, he goes and has some surgery done. He's planning on doing whatever, and he'll be ready to fight. You can guarantee that uh, September. And who he fights, we'll have to see. Joining me now with his thoughts, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Uh, what do, what's your thoughts on the uh, suspension handed down? Six months. <laughs> Billy, you kind of called it that way. And you definitely said uh, as far as being the retroactive kind of sentencing date. And, uh, you know, he's just going to take a break, skip a fight, and uh, be ready for one in September. And, you know, I think, I think the Athletic Commission could have actually – as we suggested, maybe have made a strong statement, had the opportunity to say, hey, you know what? We're going to ban him for one year. We're going to suspend him. You know, that's a lot. When you think about, you know, six months retroactively, yeah, that's a lot of time too. But to do a whole year, that's going to be one year missing out of a boxing, uh, out of a career. And uh, that could be one that's going to shake you up or do something. But for it, for it being six months retroactive from the first to date, uh, you know, like you suggested, it is just a slap on the wrist. And ironically, he'll probably be ready for the year anniversary from when he fought Triple G. And maybe they'll have a reunion at that month of September. Well, the advantage is all uh, – uh, this is my point. It's his advantage. This is my point that, you know, Canelo hasn't suffered at all. Canelo, yeah. the guy, the guilty party here, has somehow managed – to, to come out of this unscathed, uh, Fat Dan Raphael of ESPN claims that, in his opinion, he feels that the, the suspension was justified, that he got enough. I don't. 
I think it should be an automatic year. You, the consequences have to be strong enough to, to make a fighter and his team think twice about trying to get away with something. The worst part about this is Team Canelo maintains that they're victims, that they ate tainted meat, that they, they have never, not once, anyone involved with Canelo has come forward and said, hey, we screwed up. You know, they're maintaining this. They're blaming everybody else. They're blaming the meat. You know, they, they're blaming uh, the fact that uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission even suspended them. Uh, and here, meanwhile, the guy who was kind of parallel here, Triple G, he's getting ripped apart. He's getting ripped apart for wanting to continue to fight on that date. He's getting ripped apart by his opponent. He's getting ripped apart by sanctioning bodies that 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 he has belts to that want him to fight other people, etc., etc. And and even the fans are starting to criticize the opponent that that he's fighting against Matisse. I mean, I, you know, it's a joke. It's a joke that the guy who's guilty is seemingly being protected and shielded from the people that are supposed to be protecting the sport from activities just like this. It's, it's, it's a year should have taken place. Be, uh, a suspension should have been a year, in my opinion. Six months, especially, especially. Let me tell you something. The worst part about it is when Canelo decides to go get uh, his knee scoped. Yeah, that's like saying, you know what? Since I'm going to be suspended, I think I'm going to go on vacation for four or five months. I mean, it, this guy is not being penalized, in my opinion, anyway. Six months. He wanted this fight in September anyway, Sal. Well, isn't that ironic how it all happens? You know, Bill, I, I don't think we're going to find out anything different, but wouldn't it be ironic if this was all timed and all plotted and all just uh, ironically worked out to, to exactly what he originally wanted to begin with? We said it. We said it when that fight took place. We said with the rematch, it'll, it'll probably... Whatever Canelo is going to probably do to finagle the situation, watch he's going to postpone the fight till about a year from now when Triple G is even older. And look at this. Isn't this the irony? This is unbelievable. And here we go. If they're going to be able to talk about a rematch, it's going to be not until a one-year anniversary from the original fight. It's a shame. It's a shame. And I, I maintain my opinion. Uh, I've reached out to uh, uh, Team Triple G uh, over the last day. Or two, and uh, I, I, I listen. Triple G's team should not even consider the fight with Canelo in September. I, I know it is a lot of money being left on the table, but listen, uh, he's he's going to make a well. He's not going to make a decent payday. I'm talking about Triple G. He's not going to make a decent payday uh, on May fifth. But if he goes and fights Billy Joe Saunders, he will. I would box out Canelo. What does Canelo have? Nothing. Nothing. I he. Canelo, who was the the golden boy, so to speak, of of the sport, all of a sudden seems to be a, a, a blemish. And I I think that you have to make a stronger stand. And I feel that the Nevada State Athletic Commission uh, was forced. They were they were forced against the wall to do something, and they decide to give them the minimum, which was six months. And they and the worst part about it is the commission voted unanimously. You didn't even have one person wow. on that committee that had scruples and felt that Canelo should have been uh, uh, barred a little bit longer. I, I don't know, Sal. I don't know. It, well, it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, personally. 
Well, it does. I mean, and like I was suggesting, you know, we we, we are going to look at round 13, pick up uh, a year later, and it all works out to Canelo's advantage. I mean, we uh, we suggested that, uh, you know, f- for some reason, shape or form, that uh, this fight uh, should take place sooner than later. May was uh, a long enough period of time from last September. Come on. And now we're going to wait till uh, an anniversary to see these guys. And you know what? Triple G is going to take the fight. And yes, he could probably fight Billy Joe Saunders uh, and go off into the sunset. But this is going to be one of those things in boxing that people are going to talk. He's going to be damned if he does or damned if he doesn't. So he's got to go through and he probably will do it in the fall maybe not september exactly especially if he has something in mind with billy joe saunders in august or something but uh uh you know it's going to be tough one to avoid because this will always be something well triple g uh after the suspension he never wanted to fight him and he didn't give him a chance and it's going to be twisted it's going to be the the tale of the retape it 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 won't in my i i don't first of all you're right a lot of people will say that but I don't see how they can. First of all, in most people's eyes, Triple G won the first fight. That's number one. Yeah, my number, eyes for number, sure. n- number two, to wait as long and, and to try to get away with cheating and to open up the door with the possibility that he's been cheating all along. Uh, you know, and, and then you factor in what Triple G has said. Triple G, his main concern was to unify the division. So right now... Canelo doesn't fit into any part of unifying the division. The only way that Canelo fits into Triple G's future, in my opinion, and the obvious, is money. He's trying to get a big money fight. At some point in time, fighters that reach that plateau of of greatness or or at least being you know mentioned with other greats. There has to be a decision made. Why am I continuing? Am I continuing to pad my bank account or am I continuing to pad my legacy? These are questions that a fighter and his team has to ask themselves. And in Triple G's case, he's made a lot of money. Obviously not as much as he could make if he fights Canelo again. But the legacy part is intact with one more victory, and that victory is Billy Joe Saunders. And the reason why I keep bringing that up, Sal, is simple. Saunders has the last belt that Triple D does not have. And he has said publicly, and most of the things that Triple G say, I believe, uh, he seems like that kind of a guy. I've never met him personally, but he seems like a stand-up guy. And the truth of the matter is, is he, he uh, had mentioned that he wanted to unify the division. So where does Canelo fit in? No, unify the division, then maybe uh, fight Canelo if he chooses down the road. I think that it's time for Triple G to move into the driver's seat. Stop giving Canelo any kind of, of preference. And Canelo has to accept the fact he's not in the driver's seat, which he won't. That's why that, that rematch is going to be hard to make even at this point, Sal. Well, it's a good point. You you strike them all on on uh, on the bullseye, and uh, but the the unspoken truth of the matter is this: it's gonna have to be. Yes, he could possibly have a fight uh, mid to late summer against Billy Joe Saunders. Even in, on the September anniversary of his fight with Canelo Alvarez, would be a good time for him to fight Billy Joe Saunders. But there's gonna be somewhere in the looming distant future. 
that the unfinished business, the unsaid thing, yes, if Triple G can beat and does beat Billy Joe Saunders, maybe he should just retire, say, hey, this is what happened. Uh, you know, I was all set. We all know the truth. We all know the story. And boom, go off into the sunset and retire. And uh, But I don't think a fighter of Triple G's accomplishments and status can live with himself and not say, hey, because that's one thing a fighter does always believe, that he's the best, he can do it, and he has one more in him. So I think that Triple G will fight uh, Canelo Alvarez probably in the fall or right before the end of the year. And uh, winner take all the publicity, all the money, all this and that. But I do think I can I could see him trying to get that last belt from Billy Joe Saunders. But I don't think, Billy, that he can retire without going back into the ring, finish business, prove to the world that he won that first fight by slamming Canelo Alvarez and maybe punishing him and trying to beat him in a worse way. So that's what I really predict from what we'll see from Triple G. And, and whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, because I really don't like it. But the bottom line is, Yes, fight Billy Joe Saunders, and sometime before the end of this year, he will fight Canelo Alvarez again, and either win, lose, or draw. He's he's gonna, he's gonna. Uh, well, we don't want to see him lose because I'd like to see him retire after he beats Canelo the second time, which I thought he won the first time. The problem is, is that, and and by the way, for all the uh, affiliates, we are not taking a break here. We will be taking one at the half hour point. Um, the problem here, Sal, is age. And obviously, you know, you're a guy that uh, never wants to look at that. Um, but no, the truth I, of the, I, I but don't, the but truth of the matter is that fighters age, and and Triple G is aging. You know, I, people could say, okay, you know, 36 isn't that old anymore. I mean, we've done these blasts from the past where fighters have retired at 32 and old 32. You know, now there are even some fighters turning pro at 30. You know, we, we we're able to take care of our bodies better, et cetera, et cetera. So I understand that the the age factor may not be as influential as it was, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Um, but the case with Triple G is he had this extensive amateur career. It wasn't like he hasn't fought for year after year after year for all these years. So, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, and when he was fighting any amateurs, remember, he's not fighting slugs. He's fighting world-class uh, opposition. So... There's, a, there's mileage on on Triple G, you know. So Canelo has a big advantage um, with this suspension, I've, at least when it's pertaining to Triple G. I think that this suspension is an advantage for, of sorts for, for Canelo. I, it, this was short of giving him no uh, suspension, in my opinion. Six months is not enough. If it was anyone else... Uh, I, I bet you that it would be a, a mandatory year like like most other fighters get. Well, it is possibly uh, it's possible. And uh, unfortunately, we're not going to see it right now. But uh, I mean, you look at what would they do with Pervekian? What did they do with this one? What did they do with that one? Was it just six months? Was it a year? Was it, you know, it, it, it seems to be a benchmark custom to the fighter, his his uh, his status and and. You know what to expect. Uh, you know it should be a hard line slam across the board, and uh, I, I don't think it's there yet. But uh, a rule is a rule, but a law is the law, and uh, you know the laws you can't break. The rules you can bend, twist, and shape, but uh, 
you know, that's why it needs to be a law in the books, um, automatic one-year suspension if you're ever caught doing something. Yeah, but you it's see, not gonna... what, what I was going to say, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you yeah. see the difference is in, in, in boxing in the United States, it's subject to the, the commission that the yeah. fighters are fighting on. So, so it could be a year suspension for a Commission A and a six-month slap on the wrist for Commission B. That's one of the problems with having separate commissions. Um, so, so, you know, I, it's, it's the Nevada State Athletic Commission needed to make a stand here. They didn't. They tried to appease everyone. They did, gave them a suspension so, so no one could say they didn't. Uh, you know, they put off the fight so no one could say that they didn't, you know. But in the long run, when you look at it, uh, you look at the advantages and disadvantages of both fighters. And the best advantage for Triple G would have been to have, and you said this yourself after the fight, would have would have been to have the rematch in December. They had the first yeah. fight in September. They should have had the rematch in December. They that would have been an advantage for Triple G, but no, once again, Canelo holds it up. No, I want to have it on Cinco de Mayo. So he puts it off another nine months from the time that they had to fight. Then this happens, and it's put off another six months. You know, so you're talking about a guy who uh, is is just a, a, a take getting an advantage with time. And the fact that the older fighter in Triple G has been inactive outside of the ring that's a whole nother thing. And, and 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 don't be surprised if Canelo turns around and says, oh, I need a tune-up fight. I've been out of the ring for an hour. I, I, listen, the, I'm, I'm telling you right now that this is going to – Canelo's going to try to push to have this rematch in May of next year. And Triple G is going to hang around for the payday. That's why my point is, is that Triple G has to decide what's more important to him. I would think that he's got enough money financially to live very happily, him and his family and his grandkids, etc. I think he's already got that. So what's he want to do? Prove it to people who really shouldn't matter that he can beat Canelo or, uh, you know, pad his legacy. I, I, I think he's in the driver's seat. He needs to start steering the wheel. That's what I think. Well, I think you're 100% correct because – Basically, as you suggested, 36, I remember when I was fighting, and, and uh, when you were 32, 33, you were an old man. You were either in the game to be an opponent, fodder, a journeyman, whatever it was. You weren't just rising or trying to attain a new career status at 33. You're, you're, that's the fight game when I was there. And the bottom line, the professional fight game. Bottom line is today, it's a different era. But what you said is so so true. Those are miles on a fighter. It's not just an age. And you see a a thirty six year old thoroughbred like a, like a Triple G who's had an extensive, successful amateur career. You know that's that's more miles on the body. That's more years added to the body. And again, you know he's had a couple good fights, the tough fights, and the tough fights that that they do age you. So like hypothetically speaking, Triple G. Yeah, he's 36, and, and today it's only really a, a number in that regard. To, to, to see the miles and, and, and the, what's left in the tank after all these years, I, I think Triple G is the, exception to, is the exception to the rule, Billy. You know, he, he lives a clean life. He, he does uh, what he has to do. I'm sure he's in shape pretty much all year round to turn around and fight within a couple, a couple of good hard weeks of training. 
he doesn't look like he lets himself go uh, at a uh, go uh, binge or or get out of shape that much. So, so maybe that's been a counter for why he can sustain another level of a of a, of a career for another year or two. Do I want to see him fight into 2019? I would love to see him for his own protection, safety, and security. I would love to see him wrap it up this year and retire into the sunset uh, undefeated, fully uh, with the accolades and, and the money that he can live the rest of his life and, and maybe do something behind a microphone or do something, whatever he could do in a fight game if he wants to stay close. But I, I, I tend to think we're going to see him not only fight uh, Billy Joe Saunders, but I think that we're going to see a year-end fight with, Trip, with uh, Canelo Alvarez. Um. I got to give uh, a shout out. My man uh, Johnston uh, just gave us a super chat in the chat room. And uh, his shout out uh, is something like this. He says, breaking news, Wilder's missing. Where is he, Sal? Where is he, Sal? Johnston <laughs> oh knows, Johnston you know knows the deal. Johnston knows that Sal's boy is all talk. You know, uh, yeah, where is he? How come he hasn't offered a counteroffer? He's going to offer a counteroffer so late. And then as soon as that uh, AJ is forced to fight Povetkin, then you're going to hear Deontay saying, he's talking to me, he's talking to me. It's classic, Sal. And I can't believe that you've, and obviously Johnston agrees with me, I can't believe you fell into it. I know you didn't fall into that. You're just giving him the credit for the punching power. But where is he? Where's this big mouth now? Where's the pound in the chest guy saying he's the best that everybody's scared of? Where is he, Sal? Johnston wants to know, Sal. Where is he? Johnson, I'll tell you what, I think you're going to hear from, I said it uh, on the last show, we're going to hear it either today, tomorrow, Monday, we're going to hear that the fight is set, here's the counter, here's what's going on, I've got to believe, I've got to believe that they are doing things about this fight right now that we are not being uh, brought into the uh, fold, and I, I, I believe that, I believe that. You hope that. You hope that. Yeah, I do. Because, I do hope because that. you know, I, the, the, the unfortunate is today's technology, which let's admit, Sal, you're not exactly uh, up on all of it, but today's technology, these guys are <laughs> no, talking to each other. These guys are talking to each other every second. You know, I, the, the, the promoters are, are reaching out, the, which I disagree with. I don't, th and I do kind of agree with Sal is alluding to. They should be discussing this deal behind closed doors. And whether they are or aren't, we really don't know. But what we do know is that there is a lot of uh, social media uh, rhetoric going on. And most of it's coming now from Team uh, AJ saying, Where, where's Deontay? Deontay, the only word that we ever heard from Team Deontay was that they were insulted with the $12.5 million uh, offer. But they never, he, as far as I know... And as far as uh, anybody has reported, they have never even reached out to Team AJ since then. And 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 Eddie Hearn is actually going to be in New York for the Daniel Jacobs promotion. So uh, so we'll see what happens. But time, I, I kept telling everybody that the time is ticking away because of the WBA's pressure that they're putting on Anthony Joshua and his team to fight their mandatory, which is Alexander Povetkin. They are already well into the 30-day negotiation period. And like we talked about uh, last, uh, last show or last week or whatever, uh, about the Russian promoter who will win that purse bid. You can, you can rest assured. And I would think that Anthony Joshua would much rather defend all his belts uh, in his home turf 
than going over to Russia, where some crazy things have happened. All you got to do is just oh, look it up. That. Just look it up. I know. Um, speaking of uh, Canelo and all the BS, it was made official the other day. Uh, Triple G is fighting uh, Vanis Martiroshian. Uh, Triple G, 37-0 and 0 with one draw. And that was against uh, Canelo. Uh, 33 of his wins coming by knockout. Is taking on uh, Martiroshian, 36-3 with a draw. Martiroshian is, is a tough fighter. Uh, a lot of people are not giving Triple G any credit. There was a lot of things involved with signing this fight, number one. Uh, they had to uh, pick a guy that could draw a little bit. Uh, they did move this fight from Vegas to, to the StubHub Center in California. Uh, Martiroshian does have a big fan base there. So that was one of the considerations. Uh, also, the money. The money wasn't being thrown around. They, they could were very limited at what they could offer uh, opponents. Um, because it went from uh, HBO pay-per-view to HBO, and HBO's boxing budget has been slashed. Um, you know, I, I, personally, Sal, and, and I know you and I have talked about this, I, I think Triple G should have not been so adamant about fighting on May 5th. Uh, I think he should have postponed maybe one month and go after Saunders. What this fight is going to do is going to keep him working uh, for his May 5th date, but the Billy Joe Saunders fight is not happening, uh, and if it does, it would happen around the time that canelo would be available so who knows the route that they're trying to take um the other little mix here is the ibf wanted triple g to fight uh Deverinchenko, who was the mandatory and um you know it wasn't a sellable fight for the promotional team so now we'll see what the ibf does in terms of their belt that triple g has it's hard to follow the bouncing boxing glove on this one, isn't it? <laughs> the belt and the glove. It sure is, Bill. And I'll, I'll tell you what. Oh, man. You map out a, a, a fighter's uh, path. It, it, it's tough because there's a lot of uh, 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 gaps. There's a lot of holes. There's a lot of things that could take you off that path. But if you look at it, yeah. Triple G should get past Martin Roshian uh, in, in, on May. He was adamant about that date. We all know that because he could have postponed. He could have skipped it. But on this level, you know, he is an older fighter, and he hasn't fought since last September. So I think it was important for him to go through the mechanics and the emotion of just getting up and ready for his fight on that date to give him another benchmark to see where he is in his career. And I think that this might be either the last year or definitely 2019 will be the last year that we're going to – see Triple G uh, in the ring. I, I really feel it's coming to the end, and it's just going to be a couple more fights, and if he could wrap it up with the Manoroshian, uh, Billy Joe Saunders, and Canelo Alvarez, that'll be it. There'll be nothing else left to be said, and uh, off into the sunset, and uh, get on with his life with uh, with all the accolades, and, and like I said, money that he should be able to uh, enjoy the rest of his life. It's a shame, but uh, another yeah. uh, boxing news I want to get uh, here in the mix is uh, Manny Pacquiao and Lucas Matisse signed, sealed, and delivered. They will be taking place July 14th in Malaysia. 
uh, at their press conference. Manny Pacquiao says, my time is not done yet. That's what I'm trying to prove. I don't have a prediction, but I will do my best to win convincingly. If I could have the chance to finish it right away, I will. Lucas Matisse says, I'll die for the title. If I have to, I'm going to defend this title till death. Uh, he's still very good, but he's not at the same level. Ever since the knockout loss, Pacquiao suffered at the hands of Juan Manuel Marquez. Uh, we will see. And some other news on Manny Pacquiao. Uh, he has kind of backtracked on his um, on on his roaches and in my corner thing. Um, you know, he's now saying he hasn't made a decision. Roach had went out publicly. Um, in the press and said, you know, Manny and I had a great run. This is a quote from Freddie Roach. Manny and I had a great run for 15 years, longer than most marriages last, and that's certainly uh, a rarity in the sport of boxing. I wouldn't trade any of it inside the boxing ring and the political ring. I wish Manny nothing but the best. I'd be lying if I didn't say I was hurt uh, that he didn't contact me personally about this decision, but great times we enjoyed together far outweigh that. Um and then, you know, kind of as a response, Manny Pacquiao said uh, that uh, he didn't make a final decision. So, I, I don't know. Drama, drama, drama. <laughs> you know what? Uh, with all of that. It's never good when the media is covering your conversation you could have on the phone or at a at face-to-face meeting. <laughs> That's the sign right there, Bill. Yeah. Um, listen, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, uh, we got the fight uh, breakdowns and predictions there's a bunch of fights we're going to do. Then I got some emails later. We got Dax Khan coming on uh, at 9 o'clock to give us his thoughts on the fights this weekend. A lot of fights this weekend. Uh, and uh, I'm going to give you my uh, breakdowns and predictions on those uh, coming up here uh, in about two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, some other news uh, out. You know, Sergey Kovalev, uh, both uh, myself and uh, uh, Sal, uh, have been turned off by Sergey Kovalev, especially sure uh, after his uh, uh, performance, specifically his second performance against Andre Ward. Um, it, he was scheduled to fight uh, Marcus Brown uh, over the summer. And um, as of yesterday, they said that's not going to happen. Marcus Brown... Uh, were in uh, has been in some serious uh, legal trouble, and main events promoter, who's uh, Sergey Kovalev's promoter, Kathy Duva. I love Kathy Duva. She um, didn't want to take a chance and have this guy, uh, you know, not be able to fight after all the promotions. So they kicked him to the curb, and it was agreed to that he will be fighting Elder Alvarez. Now Alvarez is the same guy that Adonis Stevenson had uh, avoided. Uh, to fight. He's been the mandatory for the WBC in a light heavyweight division for quite some time. Uh, and a fight between Kovalev and him is a good one because many people think that Alvarez is one of the top uh, three fighters in the division. So Sergey Kovalev is in a tough fight. Uh, Marcus Brown would have been a decent fight too, but I kind of like this one a little better. 
the fight uh, is signed, sealed, and delivered. The date and location has not been announced yet. Uh, it should be in the summer, either July or August. Um, the uh, uh, It was originally uh, planned for July 14th in Madison Square Garden, but at this point, we don't know where it is. But I like this fight, uh, Kovalev against uh, Alvarez, and even better, the co-made event is going to feature Dimitri Bivol against oh, wow. that ever-tough TBA. Uh, so uh, I like this uh, fight. And uh, it sounds like it's going to be an interesting uh, card, Sal. Yes, it does. It should be. As long as they all stay away from tainted meat, it should come through as, as planned. Um, we uh, have some fights scheduled for this weekend, and uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of them. Uh, and I'm going to start breaking them down right now. I got several of them that I want to talk about. First one uh, is one that uh, I'm not going to get too deep into because... I don't believe it's going to be a competitive fight. Former world champion Amir Khan returns to the ring for almost uh, being out for almost two years. Um, he's five foot eight and a half, seventy-one inch reach, thirty-one and four uh, of his four losses. He's been stopped three times. His last fight was probably the most devastating uh, knockout loss uh, at the hands of Saul Canelo Alvarez on May seventh of twenty sixteen. Khan has not fought since then. Uh, he steps into the ring. With uh, with a guy who I think, uh, at the very least, should be classified, uh, at the very best, should be classified as a journeyman fighter. And I, and I know that that term is used uh, a lot. But Phil LoGreco, even though his record uh, would indicate that he's better than a journeyman at 28-3 and three, with 15 wins coming by knockout and of his three uh, losses, uh, being stopped only once. The thing is, is his three losses came in his last six fights. In his last six fights, he's three wins with one knockout and three losses. Uh, every time he stepped up, he has uh, kind of lost, uh, with the exception of a stay-busy fight that he was given in June of 2016 against Joseph Engel, <laughs> and he lost a 10-round decision. Uh, he beats the guys that he should beat, but when he steps up, he steps up big time in class, for example, Sean Porter, he lost a 10-round decision, but he did go 10 with Porter. Uh, he was uh, knocked out by Errol Spence Jr., and, uh, of course, he lost that uh, uh, decision I just mentioned against Angle. So every time he seemingly has stepped up, he's lost. He's ranked in the super welterweight division, junior middleweight, at 101. I honestly don't think that this fight is going to be too competitive uh, so I'm going to leave it at that. I'm picking uh, Amir Khan in, in, in this one, uh, uh, Sal. Do you have any thoughts on this one? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, on, on paper, it looks like Amir Khan is uh, definitely the A-side. And, uh, you know, to get back on track, he's going to have to be the A-side. Uh, otherwise, you know, this is just going to be another setback for him on his pathway to either a title shot or something else for big money. Um Phil LaGreco, on the other hand, yeah, as you suggest, I mean, he's he's maybe not quite titled the journeyman, but this is a do-or-die, make-or-break fight. I mean, it's going to be the pathway to where he's going to uh, to want to go and where he's going to see himself going. Um, Khan should win, uh, and he should have everything uh, as uh, as expected. And Phil LaGreco, yeah, he's stepping up again, and, and, and will he uh, be beat by Khan? Yeah. Uh, as much as I'd like to maybe see him elongate his, his journey 
and uh, win and beat Khan, I think this is going to be uh, all Khan's night. So um, I do choose uh, Amir Khan. Before I get into uh, these other fights, and we got a few of them, so we're going to try to fly through them before uh, uh, the top of the hour. Uh, my man Dave just uh, reminded me. He's over in uh, the Facebook uh, simulcast. And uh, several years ago, we did uh, live shows outside of Graziano's at the uh, International Boxing oh, yeah. Hall of Fame uh, induction weekend. And among the interviews that I had, I was doing, uh, we were basically picking up guys that were walking by and doing interviews. Uh, you know, Al Bernstein stopped by. Uh, I've worked with Al a couple of times, and we had a great uh, interview. Uh, Steve Canton was another guy that, uh, a longtime uh, friend of mine, plus he's done a lot for the Florida uh, boxing Hall of Fame, but um, and he's you know had some fighters. And he's got a gym, but we interviewed a young fighter that that got on the show. Uh, Jimmy, uh, I'm sorry, Jimmy Quiet Storm Williams, uh, and and I remember the kid because he seemed so uh, controlled at a young age. He was just starting out his career. He's very respectful. I, I I really liked him. And my man Dave in in the uh, uh, chat room of, in on Facebook. Uh, is reminding me that, uh, uh, first of all, you want to know if I remembered uh, The Quiet Storm, and, and of course I did. And because, uh, you know, he was a nice kid. He really was. And uh, he's fighting tonight. So I, we want to give Jimmy The Quiet Storm Williams a shout out. Good luck in your fight tonight, my man. Uh, and uh, get reach out to us. Drop us an email. We'd love to have you on this show uh, after your fight. So, Dave, uh, you know my email. Uh, hook him up. Um, next fight we're going to talk about here. Uh, is the uh, Nonito Donaire uh, fight. Nonito Donaire is uh, back in the ring, and he's taking on Carl Frampton in a, in a very good... This is a good matchup that quietly has been, uh, you know, flowing under the radar. Uh, as far as uh, uh, this fight goes, um, listen, I, Nonito Donaire, he's 35 years old now, which is, uh, again, we're talking about aging fighters, but normally in this division... It's very rare to see a fighter continuing, but he is kind of uh, preserved. He's ranked at number 10 in the world at featherweight. Obviously, he's former world champion. Uh, his record, uh, 38 wins, 24 coming by knockout. Uh, his four losses, he was stopped once. That was by Nicholas Walters. Um, he uh, uh, has gotten some decent wins, uh, sp specifically several years ago, Raul Martez, uh, Hernan Marquez, Fernando Montiel, Wilfredo Vasquez Jr., Jeffy Mathabula, uh, Takoshi Nikashoka, Jorge Arce, um, Victor Chinian, big names that uh, Nonito Donaire has beaten, but he's lost to some big names too, like Gilmaro, Gilmaro, uh, Gilmaro Rigandal, um and uh, Jesse Magladeno and the knockout loss by uh, Walters. A lot of people think his best days are gone behind him. Now, Carl Frampton, he's ranked at number two in the world at featherweight by the computer. I, I give these rankings by the computer. He's a former world champion, only been beaten once, and that was uh, at the hands of Leo Santa Cruz. Uh, he does have wins against Horatio Garcia. That was his last fight. Uh, he did beat Santa Cruz once, Scott Quigg, Kiko Martinez a couple of times. Um He's uh, four years younger uh, and shorter than uh, Nonito Donaire. Um, he's ranked number two, like I said. You know, I, this is a tough fight to pick. I, I really believe it's it's a close fight, but I'm going with Carl Frampton. I think that uh, Nonito Donaire's best days have been behind him. 
He's uh, got other things going on, and I just have this funny feeling that if he was more viable to win this fight, we would have heard more about it. I, it's been flying under the radar. I'm picking Carl Frampton in this one. Um, Sal, uh, what's your thoughts? Well, as for multitude of reasons, again, I'm going to go with you and say that uh, Carl Frampton is going to win this fight. I believe he's the A-side. I believe he's the one in the future that they're going to look to uh, showcase more than uh, Nanito Donaire. So, uh, I do see Carl Frampton getting past and beating, beating uh, Nanita Denner in this fight. So uh, I choose Carl Frampton. Yeah, I think that uh, um, he uh, he's gonna he's gonna come out on top on this one. Uh, the next fight that I'm gonna look at is actually um, a lot of. Uh, I think it's a huge fight for the heavyweight division. This is a division that we're all uh, very into these days, um, and rightfully so. But this fight actually puts uh, two uh, fighters in the ring that are um, from the same uh, place. They were both born in Sweden, and uh, they're fighting each other. They're both undefeated. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Granat has uh, one loss. Uh, Adrian Granat going up against Otto Whalen. Now, Adrian Granat, uh, like I just mentioned, has one loss. He's uh, ranked number 45 in the world at heavyweight. He's six foot seven and a half. Uh, he will have a two-inch advantage over his opponent, uh, Otto Wallen. Uh, 15 and one, 14 uh, wins coming by knockout. His one loss, he was knocked out by Alexander Dimitrenko. Um, You know, he's beaten a lot of older guys. If you look on his resume, Michael Sprout, which is a good win, but he was old. Darnell uh, Wilson. I will tell you this about Wilson. Yeah, he was old, uh, but he knocked out Darnell Wilson, and that's not easy. Darnell Wilson is a hard guy to knock out. Trust me, I've called several of his fights, and uh, uh, he is uh, he's a tough guy. Well past his prime now, uh, but a very uh, tough opponent. And another old guy in Danny Williams knocked him out. So, you know, he's done well against older uh, journeyman now type fighters, and the uh, sacrificial lambs he's taking care of. Uh, the one halfway decent fighter that he fought in Alexander Dimitrenko, who incidentally was uh, the same size as him, he was knocked out in the very first round. Now, he steps in with Otto Wallen, who's 27 years old, one year older. He's ranked slightly higher in the heavyweight division at number 36. He's given up two inches. He's only he's only six foot five and a half, but he's a southpaw. He's 19 and 0 with 13 knockouts. Uh, when you look at his resume, same kind of opponents. Uh, he does have two wins over uh, two very popular journeymen for the heavyweight division, Ralphiel Zambrano Love and uh, Costa Jr. Uh, and he beat both of those uh, by stoppage. So uh, beat both of those fighters by stoppage. It's a tough one to pick. Grenette's been fighting, uh, uh, been training uh, with... Uh, uh, the Kronk Gym, I believe. Uh, Otto Wallen uh, is ranked by the WBA and WBF at number 12. It's a tough one to pick, but you know what? Southpaws always give, um, you know, orthodox fighters trouble. And when I'm looking at a guy that's really been carefully moved and lost to the first time he stepped up, I'm leaning towards Otto Wallen in this fight. I'm picking Otto Wallen uh, to beat uh, Granat in a uh, what I think is going to be a, a pretty interesting fight. Sal, any thoughts? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Don't mistake that Otto Wallen is the A side, and 
he should win, and I think he will win. I think he, you know, has, has been on a good path, and he is undefeated. I think they wanted him to keep him undefeated, and I think it should be a good fight. We'll have some good competitive rounds, but I do pick Otto Wallen. Um, the uh, the next fight that I'm going to pick uh, it starts with the uh, uh, with the two uh, big fights that we will uh, have here uh, on U.S. television, regular U.S. television, uh, not regular uh, cable Showtime. Um, Javante Davis returns to the ring, and he's oh taking on uh, Jesus uh, Cuellar. And uh, Javante Davis, former world champion, we all know the story. Um, he busted onto the scene. I give him credit for a big win back in 2015 against Cristobal Cruz. <clears throat> you may look at his record and say, what are you talking about, Billy C? But Cristobal Cruz was a really good fighter that hung around too long. And when I saw Javante Davis take care of him in three rounds, I knew this kid was something special. Uh, he did follow that up uh, with... Uh, Several uh, more knockouts. As a matter of fact, uh, all of his uh, rest of his fights, he's 19 and 0 with 18 fights uh, coming by knockout. The only guy to go to decision with him was Jermaine uh, Muraz uh, back in uh, 2014. But if you recall, he got his shot at a world title uh, when he fought for the uh, IBF uh, uh, junior lightweight title back in uh, January of last year, and he beat uh, Jose Pedraza which was a, a very impressive win. He knocked him out in seven. But then his next fight, which was six months later, or I'm sorry, four months later against Leon Walsh, uh, where he was making his first defense of that title, he lost his belt on the scale. He couldn't come in uh, on weight, and he ended up uh, winning the fight but losing his title. He knocked out uh, Leon Walsh in the third round. He did fight again in August of last year, uh, knocking out uh, Francisco Francesca, uh, in a fight that uh, he wasn't looking that great up until the stoppage. Uh, I think this guy's got a lot of talent. He's ranked at number five in the world uh, by the computer at lightweight. Um, you know, he was taken under the wing, uh, Floyd Mayweather. And, uh, you know, like Adrian Broner, he's kind of uh, gotten out of the disciplined part. Uh, so hopefully that has been corrected. He steps in the ring with uh, Jesus Marcelo Andres Cuellar. Um, who's a, a, a southpaw, hasn't fought in over a year, so he's not ranked. Uh, five foot six, so we got uh, two southpaws going at it. That's always fun. Uh, he's 28 <laughs> and two, 21 by knockout, only uh, one loss. One of his two losses is by stoppage. Uh, his last fight, which was December of 2016, he lost a close uh, split decision against Abner Mares. But he's got some impressive wins going back to 2013. Claudio Moraro, uh, Rico Ramos, Juan Lopez, uh, Ruben Tamayo, Victor Chinian, and Jonathan Aquendo. This guy is uh, no slouch of an opponent. I think it's going to be a true test uh, for, uh, um, for uh, uh, Javonta Davis. Uh, I just think that, uh, you know, uh, Cuellar is a little older. He's been out of the ring. Um I'm picking Javante Davis, but 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 I think that this is going to be a decent fight. What's what's your thoughts, Al? Well, I read the same tea leaves as you do there, Bill. <clears throat> I think it will be a competitive fight. I think it will be a good fight. I think there's going to be some good moments in this fight, but uh, there's no mistake about it that Javante Davis is the A side, and I think he will remain 
unbeaten, and I think he, as long as he gets on the scale correctly, um, <clears throat> I think he'll beat the beat Quasar as well. Um, the uh, the next uh, fight I'm going to do, and the last one uh, is actually the uh, Adrian Broner fight. Um, we are. Uh, um, let me just give you some. Uh, apparently, Adrian Broner was well. Adrian Broner uh, last night um, oh, no. at the press conference, he uh, you know had some some crazy comments. Uh, I'm not even going to get into his comments because uh, they're just. Uh, th- this guy might have a, a screw loose. Um, you know, I, nonetheless, I, he attacked the, uh, Leonard Ellerby and and all of this stuff. Made it clear that he's not part of Mayweather Promotions, by the way, but. He steps in the ring, uh, an important fight for him against Jesse Vargas. Jesse Vargas, a uh, um, former world champion, lost his title to uh, Manny Pacquiao, uh, won the title against a current world champion against Saddam Ali. He's got some uh, uh, impressive wins on his resume, Antonio DeMarco, Saddam Ali, uh, and uh, Aaron Herrera in his last fight. His record, 28 uh, wins, 10 coming by loss. Uh, I'm sorry, 10 coming by knockout, only two losses in which he wasn't stopped. And both of those fights, he went the distance with two world-class fighters, uh, all-time greats, uh, both of them. And Timothy Bradley and Manny Pacquiao went the distance with both of them. Um, you know, this fight is being fought at a catchweight. Jesse Vargas is big, way bigger at five foot ten. Uh, he's got a four-inch height advantage. Um, but he's a natural welterweight. So really, he's going to be asked to come in uh, on the scales tonight, only three pounds less than he normally does. Um, Not so sure that that's going to be a big issue for him. Now, he steps in with Adrian Broner. Uh, Unlike my uh, main man, Larry Hazard, um, I thought that Adrian Broner was a very talented and exciting fighter when he was a lightweight. I saw all kinds of potential with this kid. And then he was taken under the wing of, of the uh, Floyd Mayweather and kind of kind of thought that he was Floyd and went down the wrong path and uh, hasn't corrected that ship. You know, he keeps doing things. He, he's he's uh, got some trials looming over him right now. Um, you know, I, I, I just I don't know what happened to this guy. He thinks that he's way better than he is. Uh, he's had some really good wins early in his career, uh, specifically at lightweight. Uh, then, uh, I mean, big names, uh, Gavin Rizzi beat uh, uh, Marcus Madonna. He lost to Paulie Malignaggi. He beat in a very controversial fashion. Um, you know, of late, you know, many people remember the Sean Porter fight. He lost a 12-round decision to him. Uh, his last fight was against Mikey Garcia. He lost a 12-round decision. He was battered by Mikey Garcia most of the fight. Uh, Adrian Granados, he beat him, but it was another controversial split decision uh, victory. Um, like I said, this fight's being fought at a catchweight. Adrian Broner is ranked number six uh, at uh, super lightweight, which is junior welterweight. Jesse Vargas ranked at number six at welterweight. Um, the fight being fought at a catchweight of 144, which is technically a welterweight fight. Adrian Broner, although was a, a former welterweight champ, um, doesn't look... Uh, he says he's had the best training camp of his career, I think that he's more talented than Jesse Vargas, um, but he of late he hasn't thrown enough punches. I I think Jesse Vargas is going to beat him. Uh, Jesse Vargas is a slight favorite in Vegas, 
But and as much as I think that Adrian Broner and and don't get me wrong, if Adrian Broner comes out and starts displaying the style that he had, um, you know, as a lightweight before he really incorporated his so-called shoulder roll defense, um, he's going to beat Jesse Vargas. But if he comes out, you know, trying to handpick, throw a few punches one at a time and kind of stand there in the pocket and not do much, uh, Jesse Vargas will win. I'm officially picking Vargas to win this fight. What's your thoughts, Sal? guess we're going to be unanimous across the board because, uh, you know, I see, you know, when uh, you have looming things, uh, impending things over your shoulder, sometimes, you know, you think you're going through the motions, you think you're training, you think you're fighting, and you are. But, uh, you know, it takes its toll, too. And he, he hasn't stayed on the, 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 the pathway uh, as a normal, healthy, uh, un, un, uh, undainted uh, fighter could could be doing as he should be doing. But I think a lot of these things are going to be coming into the ring with him. And I think, you know, he's going to do his best to, to try and make it competitive in a fight. I, I think Jesse Vargas is going to come out the victor. I think in the end it's going to be a Vargas night. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, it seems that Broner should win, but... Uh, it seems like he should. He should. On paper, it looks like this is a good fight for him. I don't know if he can rise to the occasion with everything that he's been through of late. We'll see. I mean, maybe he can put it in a box and put it away, and, and, and the distractions have not affected his training or anything else, that, that his spirit and his focus and everything else. And if that's the case, then he should be a little more dominant. But I think... Uh, I think he he's aged in a ring with all the rhetoric and all the stuff around him. So I think uh, I think Vargas has a good opportunity here. Yeah, well, you know what? I think that if uh, if Vargas uh, wins, that could very well spell the end uh, for uh, for Adrian Broner. He certainly has uh, a lot of issues going on outside of the ring, and um, you know. I, I don't know. You know, a guy, I'm all for guys that, that make mistakes, no matter how bad they are, and then they realize that it was a mistake and that they were responsible for it and that they own up to it and they make a turnaround. I have no respect for people that, you know, make a mistake and then never own up to it, never look in the mirror and, and say, okay, what can I do to change the situation or whatever. And Adrian Broner is one of those guys. Adrian Broner uh, is a guy that, you know, has really, you know, he, he came onto the scene and he had all this potential and he had a lot of confidence in himself. And then when he started failing, he had the opportunity to right the ship. He had the opportunity to go back in there and, and, and correct what was wrong, but he didn't. He, he magnified what was wrong and he tried to just continue with it. Now, you could make an argument and say, ah, that's just his style of promotion, similar to Deontay Wilder, who's, who's loud and brash and pounded on his chest as well. But at the end of the day, at least Deontay Wilder has come into the ring and taken care of business. You, we could be critical of him all we want about level of opposition and being limited and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day... You are what your record says you are. And Deontay Wilder's undefeated, winning all of his fights but one by knockout. Uh, Adrian Broner can't say that. I know they're in totally different weight classes, but I'm just using the um, self-promotion tactics as a parallel because they're, they're kind of similar. Um, in this case, uh, Vargas is a uh, blue-collar fighter, and uh, he's going to come. Uh, uh, listen, it's going to be an interesting uh, fight. 
you know, Vargas uh, is a tough guy, and if uh, if Broner's not 100%, he's, he's not going to come out and win. The one fight that I did not even uh, pick, just so everybody knows, is the Jamal Charlo against Hugo Centeno. Uh, that's the third fight of the triple header that will be shown on Showtime uh, tomorrow night, which we I will be giving you my, our uh, post-fight uh, thoughts on that Monday morning. But um, it, it, the fight, Charlo is a 3,500-to-1 favorite in Vegas. you got to lay $3,500 to win 100. So I don't even want to pick the fight because I think the result is already made. Hey, listen, That's we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll have uh, Dax Khan join us to get his thoughts on uh, some of these fights for the weekend. Don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Don't forget to uh, swing by Monday morning when we do our uh, post-fight uh, show on all of the big fights from this weekend. Uh, but Foyce joining us now uh, to get his thoughts on the fights this weekend uh, is uh, my man Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Morning. How are you? Oh, I'm doing uh, wonderful. Still waiting for the weather to break, but I'm uh, I'm doing wonderful today, my man. Uh, some big fights this weekend. First, I want to throw one at you. Um, that wasn't on the our, our big list anyway here in the states. The fights on TV, but the heavyweight fight between Otto Wallen and Adrian Granat. It seems like that is going to be, and this is why I love these fighters from outside the U.S. because they fight each other sooner than later, and I think it gives you a good gauge on on you know who's who needs to improve and who's a, who's legit. How do you see this fight going? They, they seem to match up pretty well. They do match up pretty well, actually. Um, how it's going to go, I, I really don't know. You know, I, I, I really don't know. You know, and this, this is a division right now that because of it, it's rebuilding, you know, you really don't know what to think of anybody. You know, uh, you're only it's generally as in boxing, you're only as good as your last fight. Uh, you know, whoever the winner is here, you know, obviously they're going to take one step closer into getting into that mix. Whoever the loser is here, you know, they're still regionally they're going to be a name. So it's it's an interesting fight. The division is building. Unfortunately, right now, when it comes to that division, there's only like four or five guys that we really concentrate on. So, you know, I, I, if I had to give something, I would give the edge to Wallen. Yeah, I uh, I'm picking uh, Wallen too, uh, and so is uh, Sal. So let's get into it. Uh, Amir Khan is fighting Phil Logreco. Um, uh, what's your thoughts? Um, 
you know, uh, Amir Khan coming in off a two-year layoff since uh, the knockout loss to uh, Alvarez. LaGreco himself, why well, he fought in 2017, he doesn't fight more than once a year. He's lost every step up bout. Um, Errol Spence stopped him in three rounds. Uh, Sean Porter defeated him by virtually a shutout, 188 twice, I think 98-89, uh, and that was in 2016. Then he loses to a fringe contender prospect, at least at the time, Joseph Alengo. Um you know, so unless uh, Phil Logreco Lo uh, catches Khan early, uh, Khan comes in over uh, confident, more or less like a uh, Bradis Prescott type situation. I think even with a two-year layoff, the speed and talent difference is going to be too much of a difference for Logreco to overcome. So Amir Khan should win this rather easily. Um, another fight that I wanted to ask you about: um, Carl Frampton is fighting Nonito Donaire. It's an interesting fight, um, and Donaire was such a talented fighter. But inactivity and uh, maybe he's fighting too big. I don't know. But how how do you see this one going? Um, which fight are we on now? Carl Frampton okay. against okay, Nonito. Okay, yeah, right. I had I had listed different. I'm sorry. Um, you know, Nonito Donaire. Um, since his 2014 stoppage loss to Nicholas Walters, has really taken a step down in competition. Um, you know, despite winning that WBO Super Bantamweight title against Cesar uh, Juarez in 2015, he makes one defense, he loses to Jesse Magdaliano. And then um, in 2016, Jesse, a solid fighter, but remember, Nonito Donaire, not long before that, or not long before the uh, Nicholas Walters fight, was a top five pound-for-pound fighter. So those names would have been opponents for him. Frampton, he's still one of the best in the sport. He has one loss, that majority decision, Leo Santa Cruz. The Donaire's 35, Frampton's 31. Neither one is actually prime for this weight class. Um, you know, Donaire's only had one fight at the featherweight limit, and that was his last fight. Uh, Frampton is comfortable there. He still possesses the speed, uh, the power punching. I think he has a... Um, the volume punching, I think he has a uh, power advantage in this. Uh, Donaire is most dangerous when he's a counter puncher, but you know what? Does he have featherweight power that can bother Frampton? I don't think so. So I, um, I think uh, Frampton should win this comfortably. Um, the next fight I, I wanted to uh, um, ask you. We're getting uh, we're getting some bad stuff from uh, from Sal's line here. Sal, we're gonna have to get back to you here in a minute. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, Sal, Sal uh, we'll, we'll get him back on in a sec. We, uh, he's got, I don't know what he's doing over there. But uh, um, the, the, the next fight, I'm not even going to ask you about the Charles L. Centennial fight. I, I, I don't even want to hear about it because it's such a joke of a fight, in my opinion. The odds makers are even 3,500 to 1 is, is Charlo. I, I, it, it, that's terrible. And, you know, as good as they seem, the Charlo brothers really. You know, these are the kinds of fights they're always in. Anyway, let's talk about the two bigger fights this weekend. Uh, let's start off with Javante Davis against Jesus Cuellar. Um, it's for WBAs, and I know you love this. I know that you vote for these titles all the time, Dax. Regular! It's their regular. regular. It's, it's their regular. Not to be confused with the super. Not to be confused with the interim. Not to be confused with the uh, champion of Murtai or champion in recess. It's just their regular old world title. Javante Davis against Jesus Cuellar. How's it going to go? Might be a regular fight. I don't know. Um, Javante Davis actually um, in the press conference. I, you know, I'm not a big fan of Javante Davis. I haven't been, especially after uh, some of his uh, recent social media comments about a few people. Um, you know, we're not going to get into. You know, he's young. He's undefeated. He's talented, uh, but he seems more like the next Adrian Broner than anything. Um, he has a genuine attitude. 
problem. Uh, he did sound a little bit more humble. He um, he looked very well conditioned. He didn't have uh, any, any baby fat on him at, at the press conference. Um, you know, he spoke well. Um, you know, so I think that, um, you know, Quaylar, uh, you know, he, he's he's a guy that runs hot and cold. You mentioned that before. He's going to pressure Davis. Uh, Davis is a stationary fighter. He does his best work as a counterpuncher. Um, you know, I'm having a hard time making my choice here, but considering Davis does look in spectacular shape and considering, you know, Quaylar, um, has been stopped before, um, he's been outboxed before. I think Davis, you know, as long as he's really in shape and as long as he is, um, doing what he says, he should win this fight. And then, you know, after this, they're going to have to make a decision with this kid, in my opinion, because, uh, super featherweight is, isn't the division for him. He's going to have to either step up or, you know, I see this kid more or less being yesterday's news. He did spend time in camp with Adrian Broner, so you know, I, I really don't know what to make of this kid. Right now, you know, I just look at him more as one of those, as you say, a Charlo. Um, I look at him more or less as uh, one of these PBC fighters that, you know, his, he's talented, but his fights are carefully picked. He's making the money, but, you know, he's not one of those guys that you're going to sit there in two or three years and say, you know what? Remember this fight with Javante Davis, or you know what? Look who's still sitting on top. So, you know, it's, to me, you know, Bill... As much as insult as it sounds, you know, a Javante Davis fight, you know, more or less, it's kind of a fill-in fight for me. You know, the funny thing is, it's a shame before we get to the last fight here, you know, Javante Davis and, and, and Adrian Broner, in my opinion, I know, I know a lot of people, I mean, specifically Larry Hazard has said it many, many times to me about Adrian Broner. They didn't think he was as talented as I thought he was when he busted onto the scene. But I see a lot of similarities with Javante Davis. I, I, both of these guys are extremely talented. But like you mentioned, the attitude is an important part of the sport of boxing. And every fighter has to be confident. But I think there has to be a line drawn. And there also has to be a let's come down to earth after something catastrophic happens. And that has happened in both of these guys' boxing careers. Adrian Broner, of course. And Javante Davis, to me, the catastrophic uh, incident was him losing his title on the scale. That was his first title defense. That's not a good sign. Now, people can make you, oh, he's so young. He was having trouble making the weight. Well, then don't even fight in that weight class. He shouldn't even be in it to begin with. Eh. Anyway. Uh, he did address that yesterday. That, that, that's what I mean. You know, I did like uh, what, what he said. Just, he did address that and admitted that he didn't he didn't train hard. Um, he took it for, for granted and, and, and those type things. So, you know, we sound a little bit more mature. Yeah, but, but you but know again, what? Bill, yeah, but you know what? Thing in this the, thing is uh, Dax, history. wait, we wait, talk about wait. The history of the, the sport, Bill. The thing is, though, Dax, you, you can accept that. Not that you want to accept it from any fighter, okay? Because discipline is so important in this sport. But a young fighter, to say he took a fight lightly, the guys that have been around the block that 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 take a fight lightly, lightly, those guys are the ones you can almost say, okay, he didn't train hard. But a young fighter, this guy was fresh out of the gate. He should have been with the attitude of no one's ever going to take my title away. That title should have been more valuable to him to not take a, an opponent lightly. That That's, you know, you know what I'm saying? My, my, yeah, my, my point is that I was going to use Mike Tyson as an example, you know. Um, you know, Mike 
when he came out of the gate, he was such a, a, a hungry young fighter. He was going through all these guys. He, he was so critical of himself. Uh, you know, he always tried to improve. He was a historian. He, he paid attention to these past fighters. He really wanted to be the best. It wasn't until he actually accomplished something and um, he got the, uh, uh, his original team went away from him. He got those yes men in his ear. Did Mike all of a sudden just go into the ring out of shape and thinking he was going to take everybody out with one punch. And it seems, you know, just the opposite here. Like you're saying, as a young fighter coming out of the gate, you should have that same mindset. Instead, it's they're coming out of that gate and they already have the mindset that, you know, they get a couple wins and now all of a sudden I can do that with everybody. You know, it's like, you know, you know, so it's uh, then later on, it's like, okay, I've made so many mistakes. Now it's time for me to change my career around. Uh, you know, boxing is a business. Um, you know, that seems to be the thing that fighters are saying, you know, more and more. And, you know, it is exactly true. And it's great that uh, fighters recognize the fact boxing is a business. But, you know, you also have to recognize the fact that you're only as good as your last fight and when it comes to that business you're only as marketable as you uh you know you sell yourself inside that ring but how you sell yourself outside that ring you know is, is a different story so when you're losing titles on scales at such a young age and um you're going in there and you're taking that punishment you know you've lost your marketability and now all of a sudden you got yourself 30 35 fights and you're already washed up even before you've hit your prime and you know that's a problem in the sport and it just seems to be a growing problem in the sport um, so what's, uh, what's your official pick on the, uh, Adrian Broner, Jesse Vargas fight? Um, you know, Adrian Broner, another guy, you know, you mentioned earlier, um, the mindset, he comes off yesterday, he comes out yesterday and he goes off on Leonard Ellerby. He talks about how everybody around him doesn't want him to succeed. They don't want him to drive the, uh, the, the Rolls Royces, um, you know, he's looked mediocre in his last few fights. He was literally a showcase opponent for Mikey Garcia. Uh, only the sturdy chin of Broner allowed him to go to distance. Jesse Vargas is not a great fighter, but he is a two-division champion. He only lost to uh, Manny Pacquiao and Timothy Bradley. Uh, the Pacquiao knockdown was a flash knockdown. Both Manny Pacquiao and Timothy Bradley were in the top five or at worst top ten pound for pound at the time they fought him. So um, I don't think, you know, Jesse Vargas should be overlooked. I think Vargas is going to out outbox Broner, who, of course, is more than likely going to sit there on the ropes, try and counter very much like he did against uh, Sean Porter or, you know, most of his opponents. If the power hasn't carried up to him. He's going to come in there a little bit overconfident. And Jesse Vargas, as you mentioned before, he's a uh, uh, bring your lunch pail to work type fighter. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. He's going to bring his lunch pail to work and he's going to be the one walking away eating bigger in his next payday. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, you know, if, if somebody asked me this, uh, you know, prior, like a year or two ago, I, I wouldn't even give Jesse Vargas a chance against Adrian Broner. But now, you know, Adrian Broner's got a lot to prove, uh, and he could do it tomorrow night. You know what I mean? The, the Paulie Malinagi fight uh, put it all on the wall for me with Adrian Broner. He won the fight, yes. Uh, you know, Paulie, a very talented fighter, uh, no, no hand, no power, a lot of hand speed. He, he won um, all his big fights based off the jab. He always had, had you know, a very solid chin at his best. You know, Adrian Broner had so much trouble. Paul was able to hit him so easily, and, and uh, Adrian hesitated, uh, letting his hands go. And he's done that continuously since then. I don't know if he thinks he has more power than what he does, but Adrian Broner pretty much capped out at 135 pounds. I'd say he even capped out at super featherweight. And 135 pounds, he was world class, but he wasn't exactly elite. So you know, I just think these divisions are too big for Adrian Broner. I think Adrian Broner's head's a little bit too big for him. And, you know, if he keeps going this way, he's just going to end up a, a, a cliche. You know, a guy that could have, should have, would have, but didn't. 
Good point. Dax, I appreciate your time, and we look forward to uh, your Monday's uh, thoughts on the fights that take place this weekend, my man. All right, everybody, enjoy your weekend. And just a note, Bill, Sal, everybody out there, if you're staying up late at night wondering how you can get in here, join the show, go on there, come up with crazy names, and sit there and think of how you can come up with different ways to say Dax or Sal or Bill, you know something, and your kids don't look like you, you know, there's a problem, there's something going on, get your head together, maybe, you know what, the next kid your old woman has, you know, might look like you, and you may not be out there on Facebook, or you may not be out there in chat room sitting there, you know, wasting all your time there blaming it on the pub or you know if you're in the pub and you're doing that maybe it's time you know to get some sort of 12-step program just just my friendly service public announcement we're going to correct that issue dax i hear you so uh, <laughs> all right I, everybody enjoy the I, weekend I, I, i'll talk to you later that's uh dax khan uh giving us his uh, uh thoughts on the fights for this weekend um you know we've been out of uh uh, we haven't done the show uh, in a couple of days. Uh, my fault. My fault. My fault. My fault. Um, but uh, so as a result, uh, for all the uh, uh, affiliates out there, I'm not taking uh, another break today. Uh, but uh, we do have uh, uh, some emails that uh, I wanted to uh, get to uh, here uh, in a second. Uh, one thing I do want to mention uh, real quickly, um, De- uh, Bryant Bye Bye Jennings. Uh, is fighting next weekend um, in uh, Philly, and he's going up against Joey DeWedgeco. Um, you know, Brian Jennings at one time I thought was uh, a, a top heavyweight contender. Uh, he fought and, and did well uh, against uh, a lot of good fighters, beat uh, a lot of good fighters. His last big fight was a savage knockout loss to Luis Ortiz. He, uh, you know, was out of the ring for a while. They re-signed him. They're carefully moving him now. This is one of those carefully moved fights against Joey DeWedgeco. Uh Both fighters are from Philly. It's taken place in Philly. It ought to be a, a throwback fight. So uh, uh, we'll uh, talk about that one next week. But right now we got some emails, and uh, I got Sal back, uh, and uh, we uh, will get into these right now. This first one. Is from my man Sean, and he says, uh, "Hey Billy C, uh, this is Sean from New Jersey. Uh, okay. I will be at the Broner Vargas fight this Saturday, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Broner can do against a tough uh, five fighter Vargas. A tough five. Oh, I'm sorry, a tough live fighter in Vargas. Do you think my eyesight's going? Do you think Broner would benefit from training with the likes of Floyd Senior or Jeff Mayweather in his corner since many boxing fans believe his fighting style is similar to Floyd Jr.? In my opinion, this is Sean. I believe uh, with their experience and command uh, of their training camps as well as the familiarity uh, with Floyd Jr.'s technical fighting style, it would be a great combination. Do you think either one of these trainers can steal, steer Broner into being more focused and grounded uh, in the sport where they can get 100% out of Broner uh, while his current trainers can't seem to get the best out of him on fight night? Um, first of all, if you remember, Sean, um, Adrian Broner kind of looked up to Floyd and, and was trying to model himself behind Floyd, but he went all, all askew. Um, I, I think that, you know, so often do fighters, especially uh, established fighters, will turn around and blame uh, the trainer or something else. Again, not uh, being held accountable for their own uh, issues. And I think that Adrian Broner is a prime example 
uh, of this. I think it has to start with him. He's got to be willing to listen. You know, one thing always sticks in my mind about Adrian Broner. When he fought uh, Marcus, what are you, you huffing and puffing in there, Sal? Uh, I, it's all, uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's, you know it's, what? It's my mic, I got Yeah, you, you got to adjust it. I got to mute you here because I can't. Um, but uh, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, uh, when he fought, when Adrian Broner fought Marcus Madonna, um, Marcus Madonna was basically beating the hell out of him. And um, he went back to his corner. This is Broner. And there was chaos in his corner because his corner became proficient in listening to Adrian Broner run the show. They really didn't have any instruction for the guy. And Adrian Broner at that time impressed me because he became calm, cool, and collective. That Adrian Broner doesn't exist anymore. And I think that once he can be receptive to listening to a trainer who can actually give him some, you know, uh, uh, advice that, that is, is worth, you know, worth listening to. Um, I think that he could come out of this, this issue, but I think this weekend is going to be a big telltale. I, I think that, uh, you know, Adrian Broner thinks a lot more of himself and he's not putting the work in. We're we're only as good as what we put in. What what's the the old saying? My dad used to say, "You're only as you're only as good as what you put in," or or something along those lines. What's your thoughts on the email, Sal? Well, I, I tend to look at it and or hear it, and uh, you know, Adrian Broner, he's got some big things to prove this weekend, and I think he's got a big chance to step up and right the ship. And uh, hopefully, you know, he could do that. Otherwise, I think he's going to have a continue on a slippery slope downwards and, uh, you know, be a non-entity in a fight game in, in another year or so. So I think he correct the ship. He's got the talent. He's got the skill. He's got the ability. But he's got to, you know, as we suggested, just keep uh, keep his head on straight and and uh, keep on the right uh, right pathway and not be too deterred by the. By the uh, by, the noise and the rhetoric and all the other stuff that his life seems to to attract, and uh, you know, hopefully he'll 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 realize what he's got on the line to lose, and uh, we'll see a, a, a different Adrian Broner. Well, I I personally don't. Think I don't know if he could do it though. I don't think he could do it. I don't think we're ever going to see a different no. Adrian Broner uh, in terms of the guy, but yeah. we could see a old. Adrian Broner, meaning the old, talented Adrian Broner. I think that he needs to um, get back to what he did and not try to emulate what others do. But uh, anyway, Um, we got another uh, email. This one's from my man Johnston, the only one that put his money where his mouth is today in the super chat, which I appreciate. Um, He uh, this is uh, AJ uh, taps uh, up. His subject is Taps Up WK, uh, and um, he's got... Uh, here we go. Uh, now Johnston just gave us... An, you see, what? What? I, I think I'm going to make him a, a dependent. He's supporting the show. Uh, Johnston Brown, another super chat. He wants to give a shout-out to his beautiful wife and handsome son. Uh, he wants uh, 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 a come-on-to-your Lions uh, big game tonight. Uh, he's talking about his soccer team, so uh, good for him. Uh, Johnston hooking us up, but uh, as we and and more more from Johnston uh, as we uh, uh, read his email here, Sal. Uh, he says, 
Hey guys, uh, AJ will be seeking knowledge from Vladimir Klitschko to help him become a better fighter and undisputed heavyweight champion. Uh, that's what that's the W. That's what the WK stands for, Vladimir Klitschko. These are quotes from Anthony Joshua. Uh, he says, "If Klitschko gave me a little bit of his knowledge, I think it'll spur me on to be a better, uh, better than I project myself." He says, "I need him on my side." definitely need him i have so much respect for him his brain is a boxing cyclopedia i will always look at klitschko even though i beat him as the better man because he's done more and accomplished more than i have even though i beat him that night in terms of his overall career he's done so much i will always take my hat off to him and i and respect him his brain is a boxing encyclopedia i will always look at him uh, what am I? Keep reading the same thing. Um, he says that's phenomenal. Uh, he, he he. You know what? It's not me. Johnston printed it twice. Thanks, buddy. Uh, he says that's phenomenal. Uh, he must have learned so much. Uh, when you fall, then you go again. Then you fall. When you fail, then you go again. Then you fail. Then you go again. Uh, he built himself to perfection. He's referring to the losses that Vladimir did have. Uh, Eddie Hearn. Talking about uh, Deontay Wilder, says, I'm going back to meet with Wilder's representatives in New York. We're trying to get a face-to-face -face with them, look into the whites of their eyes, and just see if we can make a deal. Um, we've made an offer that we felt was substantial. If we're not happy to talk about the numbers and look at their ideas as well. Uh, he says, uh, uh, on uh, Fury's return, and Wilder, he says, hey, when you're a fighter and you can let certain, certain, certain things slide, uh, even though it's professional, I don't want to bite back. Uh, sometimes you need to uh, meet him face to face. This is uh, Joshua talking about Wilder. Uh, we did talk about that. But uh, it, it clearly seems, uh, thanks for the email and updates, Johnson, it clearly seems, at least by Eddie Hearn's uh, point of view and all of the reports that I've seen, that Team AJ is really trying to make this fight and uncharacteristically of Deontay the loudmouth, there's been uh, crickets coming from that team. I, maybe they really don't want to fight, Sal. Well, that's interesting that you should say that. I, I, uh, I don't want to believe that, and I do want to believe that uh, there's more going on than what you and I have uh, uh, been privy to. And... Uh, you know, like I said, I, I hope next week we hear something from either side or one side or both sides. I just want to hear something like uh, a lot of people right now. The crickets aren't doing it. So, uh, you know, let's hope that they're doing things behind the scenes and, and off the record. And uh, we're going to have a big announcement next week. It's going to be signed, sealed and delivered. That's all I could hope for. Yeah, well. Keep hoping. Um, <laughs> finally, I got uh, one last email. Uh, this is from my man, Mitch. He says, hey, Billy C., some interesting fa challenges face Anthony Joshua. First, it's getting Wilder to ink his name on a two-fight deal. Even with a loss, the least he's going to get appears to be $25 million for two fights. This is based on, and this is Mitch just basing it on what was offered, 12.5 for the first fight that Wilder has not accepted, and assuming that that was for the same for the second fight. Now, we all agree that he's going to make more 
for the first fight, and he's certainly going to make more for the second. But I understand Mitch's point here that we're talking about $25 million for two fights, right? He says the clock is ticking. To be honest, it'll be the highest. This is interesting, and he's right. He says, to be honest, it'll be the highest uh, Al Heyman fighter, with the exception of Floyd Mayweather Jr., earned for one fight. And this is 100% true. Uh, he says, uh, there's the Russian billionaire, uh, Andrei Rabininsky, who I've referred to uh, on this show, who's been uh, tied to Povetkin in the past. If Wilder keeps playing around, they're going to try to make the Povetkin fight. If Joshua Povetkin goes to purse bid, AJ better pack his bags for Russia because that guy will outbid Hearn by a mile. For example, Klitschko versus Povetkin, Sarlin submitted a bid of uh, you know, $6 million and change k2 submitted a bill of seven million a bit of seven million and change and they both lost why because uh, rabinsky put in a bit of 23 million and change uh vladimir got seven almost 17 and a half million for that fight pavetkin almost six million it's going to be interesting if it goes to perspective because it's a guessing game after that hearn would have to strategically come up with a number to beat the billionaire, and vice versa. The fighters win in both instances, but to be honest, not many people want to see Anthony Joshua go to Russia to defend his belts. If I hear he fights Povetkin, AJ will bring in Povetkin's former opponent, whose neck they took 25 minutes to fix as a sparring partner. Uh, One thing, uh, while AJ and Wilder is the fight everyone wants to see, the biggest fight in boxing will be Anthony Joshua versus uh, Tyson Fury. If Fury wins his fight in June, Wilder better be careful. Um, you know, good points. It's it's one hundred percent true. Thanks, Mitch. Um, it's one hundred percent true because the truth of the matter is, and I've said this time and time again. You know, Anthony Joshua has all these options. Mitch points out not only does he have the Deontay Wilder option, but if Deontay doesn't sign, Anthony Joshua moves on. He's got the mandatory with Povetkin. He's got a mega fight with uh, with with um, Tyson Fury. He's got another potential mega fight with Dillian White. Uh, he's got a uh, he could possibly have a rematch with Joseph Parker. He's got the Jarrell Baby Miller, even though Miller doesn't deserve to be in any championship fight. He's got that fight. There's so many options for Anthony Joshua. Now you could sit there and say, well, hey Bill, Deontay Wilder has options too, and I would say who. What are his options? Because we're talking about prize fighting, just like you always say, Sal. We're talking about prize fighting. And the object is to fight a substantial fight and make the most possible money you can make. Anthony Joshua is in a position because of his popularity and because he's got a promoter willing to open up the checkbook and because he's got fans that are willing to, to 90,000 of them go sit in a stadium and watch him. He's got all of this going for him. He's got options. Plus, he's got some domestic rivals that'll, you know, knock the, the roof off a house uh, to come and watch the fight with the Tyson Fury fight should he be victorious in June. You know, Deontay Wilder doesn't have those options. He's got what? Who could he fight? He could fight uh, Dillian White, maybe. He could fight, uh, you know, uh, Miller if he wanted to. Uh, uh, maybe a Brian Jennings if he wins. Uh, you know, all these fights, I'm not saying they wouldn't be good fights for Deontay, but they're certainly not going to make him the money. I, I, I pose the same question, Sal, 
How many fights does Deontay Wilder have to fight to make what he could make in one fight with Anthony Joshua? It makes no sense for him to pussyfoot around, and that's exactly what he's doing. Well, Bill, you know, I wish I could uh, look at it a different way and you know, uh, but black and white right now it just looks like you know we, we he's he's got to pull that trigger. He's got to. And I'm, I'm Deontay Wilder. Please, Deontay, uh, let's hear from you. I, like I said all along, I think that you know this is big enough for their two camps to be uh, behind closed doors and knocking it out. And I'm hoping that's what's being done. Um, and I think yes. Hey, look at it. It adds to some of the drama of this fight, the anticipation and the creation of this fight. So I, uh, I just hope that we're going to hear very shortly, very soon, over the next couple of days, that this fight has been signed, sealed, and delivered. Because uh, um, as you suggested, he, he, he's got it, – it, it's the best move he can make right now in his career. And that's to take this fight with Anthony Joshua and realize that he's going to make an easy $25, $30 million over a two-fight period where normally it might take another 10 fights for him to do that. So uh, I, I think I think he knows in, in the realm of things that this is the right way to go and to do and to move his career. And I, I, I want to say that I think his camp should realize it too. And that's, what I'm, that's why I'm so adamant in saying that it's going to just be one day we're going to wake up very shortly and it's going to say, hey, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder is signed and we're going to see it soon. That's it. You know, Sal, a, a lot of the people that watch and listen to this show obviously know that you and I totally disagree when it comes to Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. And yeah. by the sounds of it, you are grasping at straws to try and hope that your boy <laughs> Um, comes through. So I pose one question to you. Simple yes. question. All right. And and don't get me wrong. I'm with you. I want to see the fight. It's not like oh, I don't yeah. want to see the fight. Um, but let me ask you this. If Deontay Wilder, your boy, if Deontay Wilder, your guy who you think is going to beat Anthony Joshua, if Deontay Wilder does not even come up or allegedly come up with a counteroffer, and they keep dragging their feet, whether they're actively meeting behind closed doors or not, and they don't get a fight signed by Wednesday of next week because that is the cutoff in my, in my eyes. Being involved in this business for as long as I have in all the different aspects of this business that I have, I see the cutoff date being around Wednesday of next week before Team AJ has to shift gears 100% and start working on a deal to fight Povetkin because they don't want that fight to go to purse bid just for the reasons that Mitch mentioned and the same reasons that, that I had said uh, previously. So with that said, my question to you is this, Sal. If Deontay Wilder does not step up and take this fight right now, this next fight with Anthony Joshua, forget about the money. Because we could be at a, a, a stepping, we could be at a, a standstill if you know Wilder's team thinks he deserves twenty five million and he's only offered sixteen. I think that the number, personally, my prediction is I think that the number, and I've been telling everybody this that emails me, the number that they're going to agree on for the first fight is going to be sixteen million. That number is etched in my mind. Don't ask me why, but I have a feeling that Deontay will sign for sixteen million straight up. 
Um, Me too. But but in any event, in any event, my question, which I'm I'm trying to get to, but uh, I can't seem to get it out. It is is simply (laughs) this. Yeah, yeah. It's simply this. If Deontay Wilder doesn't sign to fight him in the next fight, in your opinion, is Deontay Wilder ducking Anthony Joshua? No, I, 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 you know, like I said, I, I am a Deontay Wilder fan. Uh, I, I will admit that, and I will be very, very disappointed uh, if he loses his opportunity, and if it's due to his corner or his side or his team or him himself, uh, because this is the fight that every fan of boxing and every fan of the heavyweight division would like to see. But how can you uh, say? How can you say? With a straight face, that you would feel that Deontay's not ducking AJ if he doesn't sign for this fight. Well, as you suggested too, Bill, many times that maybe he's got some real bad advice coming from his side. And uh, but you said a million, but you, but you call some bluff. But but you've I said a million that. times. You've said a million times yourself. At the end of the day, it's up to the, the fighter. Fighters. And and he's been talking smack. Pounding his chest, telling us all when we want to listen that that everybody's afraid of him and Deontay won't want to fight him and he's scared. He's a scared. He's this. He's that. You know. And now all of a sudden he's got an opportunity. We're not talking about an offer of fifty bucks. We're not an offer. We're not talking about an offer of a million or even five million. We're not even talking even six million, which is three times what he made in his last fight. We're talking a min a, a, the minimum, the first offer of twelve and a half. He could make up to sixteen twenty million dollars. Why wouldn't he step in the ring? I'm sorry, but he would be clearly ducking Anthony Joshua if he doesn't fight him next because he doesn't have the opportunity. If he's not careful, Sal, this fight may never happen. I'm telling you. Well, you know, you look at how many ways this fight could fail and not happen. And I'll tell you, it's, 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 there, those possibilities are right in front of us and they're right in front of him. So that's why I'm saying in my heart of hearts, I believe that we're going to wake up one day next week and we're going to hear that it's signed, sealed, and now they're going to deliver. I, 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 it's too big. Like you're suggesting, it's too big of an opportunity. For Deontay Wilder to let slip by him. And I think he's smarter than that. I know that he feels he's the best in the world. And I think it's just a matter of doing the finagling and the dance and the this, that, and the drama. But I do feel that he knows in the reality uh, of, of what's in front of him that he's going to go through with this fight. And he's going to sign. He's going to make it happen. And uh, I, I, like I said, I, I think we're going to wake up one day next week, and that's what's going to be said. Well, I think you and should. If not, I think I'm you should be very disappointed. Well, I think you should wake up from reality, right? I think you're sleeping right now. But uh, you know, the, the the truth of the matter is, is that I think what's going to happen, and this is typical with a bully and with a loudmouth, you know, fraud. Uh, I think that as soon as uh, Team Anthony Joshua comes and has to start negotiating with Povetkin and they make that fight, that's when we're going to hear from your boy Deontay Wilder. He's going to come out, see, I told you he doesn't want to fight me. He's talking to me. He's this, he's that. You know, I, listen, the WBA, as much as I can't stand them and as much as I don't respect the way they have all these titles and all their BS, they actually are trying, uh, not 
knowingly because I don't think they're too swift. But the WBA is actually expediting this fight because the truth of the matter is, Sal, that they are the ones that are putting pressure on this fight to happen now rather than later. Because if this fight doesn't happen now, what is the, the chain of events that's going to take place is that the WBA is forcing AJ to fight their mandatory. The, WB, the IBF will have theirs next. Then the WBO. And then, oh, by the way, the WBC is going to sprinkle in an, uh, a mandatory for Deontay. And that's going to be due by the end of this year. So the truth of the matter is, is the window for this fight is closing rapidly to take place this year or even early next year. I told you many, not just you, Sal, but I told everyone that that I had predicted that this fight would unfold and take place early 2019, if at all. Now, I don't even know if the fight will take place early 2019. I think its only chance to get this fight to happen is now. So if, if the fight doesn't happen now, we may not see this fight. This may turn out to be a Lennox Lewis, Riddick Bowe situation, Sal. Well, and if that's going to be the case, and like I said earlier, I'm going to be very, very disappointed because this fight is the big fight. It's going to be one of the biggest heavyweight championship fights that we have seen in a very, very long time. And uh, they, 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 they got to make it happen. And, uh, and uh, I, I want to feel in my heart of hearts it's going to happen. So we'll see. We'll see next week what it brings, but uh, uh, or over the weekend for that matter. And uh, I, I, I have to say that Deontay Wilder knows what's at stake, and he's gonna jump on the bit, and it's gonna be announced. And and uh, I think everything's gonna be okay in uh, in England and the United States when these guys get in the ring. Yeah. Well, like I keep saying. You know, AJ has the options. Deontay does not. He does. Deontay could stand. Listen, the biggest thing that Deontay could do right now, if he doesn't fight Anthony Joshua to truly prove who the best heavyweight on the planet is, because that's what's at stake, okay? Forget the money. That's what's at stake. But what Deontay, the only thing, Anthony Joshua has the advantage right now and all the options to continue fighting and make buku dollars, $20 million every time he, he steps into the ring, okay? And at the end of a couple of years, he's going to be a, a very wealthy man, all right? Deontay Wilder, if he does not take the fight with AJ, is he going to be wealthy? Yeah, he's a millionaire. That's wealthy. But he's not going to have Anthony Joshua-type money um, if, unless he fights Anthony Joshua at least once. Instead, Deontay has two choices. Fight Anthony Joshua now. Agree on a, a fight purse or whatever split, whatever they're going to want. Hey, my prediction, what did I say? I say the split should be, uh, what, what was it, 20? 60-40. No, or, no. I think that 20%, uh, what was it? I think I said 45-35, uh, and then the rest goes to the winner. 45% to uh, AJ, 35% to Deontay, and then the winner gets the rest. As a like bonus, that. that's, that's the a, most, hey, think. that's the fair way. You want to go? Then then put your money where your mouth is. But the point is that I'm trying to make is that Deontay Wilder has two choices if he wants to make big, big bucks. 
he could either fight it, sign the deal, whatever the deal ends up being agreed to, keep the negotiations open, make a deal. They're not even trying to make the deal, which gives me reason to believe that they really don't want the fight, which doesn't make sense because the only other option that Deontay has is to break the real uh, Marciano record, the, the one that matters in the heavyweight division. What Floyd did is, is a 50-0, and 0, a big deal. But with Deontay, he's in a position to be able to legitimately uh, break Rocky Marciano's record. So, so Deontay can continue to do that. But let's say he needs those 10 more fights. You know, at, at a rate of two, two million, three, even three million a fight. Let's just say he would make the argument that he fights ten more fights at three million apiece. He makes thirty million, even if he fights three fights a year, which he hasn't done. It's going to be more than three years from now to make thirty million. He could make thirty million fighting Anthony Joshua in two fights. So we well, you know that yeah. you know. So, so I think it all matters to, to De- whatever it matters to Deontay. Does he want history or does he want money or does he want both? Because like I said last week, Sal, he's in a position to, to obtain both if he fights Anthony Joshua and wins. If he beats Anthony Joshua twice, then he deserves to pick any slug that he wants to for eight more fights and not only beat the best guy that's out there now in terms of of the heavyweight division, at least in my opinion, but then also break the record. He's in a much better... He's being advised wrong. His people are misadvising him, Sal. Well, we we thought that for a long time now, but, you know, like I said, let's see how this pans out. We've got another week, and uh, I, I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised because uh, I, I think this is bigger than what the... Well, I, I, he's got to realize this. He's got to know. And you know what? I think you hit it on the head. I think it's going to be about sixteen million, and maybe he'll get forty percent of uh, of the of the rights or of the of the gate. And uh, and uh, I think that's going to be it. But I love I love your your uh, your break of the purse with the uh, you know uh, Joshua getting a larger one and the winner getting the leftovers. This way they could make it equal or whatever they could do. You know, it, it, it sounds like a real real neat way to divvy it up. Well, the the question is, is who would be willing to do that? Would uh, fight? You know, uh, what I had suggested. What what I suggested was uh, when when I was breaking that down. Uh, we, we were actually talking about this last week. Um, I said that the way it should work, or uh, on Monday, I'm sorry, forty percent to AJ, thirty five percent to Wilder, and then the winner gets a twenty percent bonus. First of all, 40% and 35% of the numbers that they're going to generate is substantial money. And then to have a 20% on, on top of that going to the winner, uh, you know, to me, a fighter that would sign that gets, whether they win or not, gets all the credit in the world because they're putting it on the line, Sal. You know, well, I mean, I, I mean, you know, it really, you, you can't, if you know that 20% of the numbers that we're talking about is on the line if you win, you're not quitting. You're not going to not have a good training camp. I mean, think of all the ramifications that are involved when you have that much money going to one side if they should win. So that, that the playing field is totally even. I love 40 40-35, to AJ, 35 to Wilder, 20% to the winner. Shut everybody up and take that deal. What do you think? 
I think it's great. I mean, you can even look at it. Hey, fifty uh, percent to 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 uh, AJ, twenty five percent to Wilder, with the other twenty five percent left up for grabs, and Wilder wins. It's a fifty fifty uh, fight. If uh, if uh, AJ wins, it's a seventy five twenty five split. So you know you have a heck of a heck of an incentive to to pull pull all stops and and let it all out. So uh, you know, I I, I I could see I love your mixture, and I, but just to make it easier for everyone to understand, you know, if we break it down fifty twenty five with the other other fifty uh, with the other twenty five on up for grabs, that could be a fifty fifty deal when all said and done. I just think that forty forty percent thirty five makes both fighters feel oh, makes mo- yeah. that that yeah. you know it's kind of even Deontay well that's yeah. kissing Deontay's ass you know hey here you are you're giving up five percent less even though you're not a draw you know uh, truth of the matter is Deontay Wilder is not a draw compared to Anthony Joshua uh but the 20 percent winning bonus man that's uh no, that's, a, that's Bill, a tough I love that I'd like to see that across the board for, for all fights between right? you and I because that's what I always said it's prize fighting have the incentive to win the majority or, or the substantial amount of the purse by your performance that evening and the, being a victor. So, you know, that's that's it's prize fighting, boys and girls, prize fighting. You uh, fight for the prize. Unfortunately, today, they don't do that. But uh, speaking of that. which, that's beautiful. We, have the tri- we have the trivia question. Nobody's gotten it, and uh, nobody's even come close. So, so here's the deal. I- I'm going to give you guys a hint today. Uh, because I want to give away another copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. So all you got to do to get your very own copy is to answer today's trivia question correctly. Now, the way you got to answer it is you got to be the first one to email me the correct answer. And the email address, Billy at Talkin Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. If you're the first one to answer this question correctly, uh, you will win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. So I'm going to read the question, and then I'm going to read it again with the hint. All right? Uh, It's a who am I question. Before my 20th birthday, I beat four world champions and lost to another one who I eventually defeated a month past my 20th birthday. Who am I? You know this uh, answer? Email me, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. One more time with the hemp, with the hint, <laughs> hemp. One more yeah. time with the hemp, I mean the hemp, I mean the hint. Uh, before my 20th birthday, I beat four world champions and lost to another one, who I also defeated just one month past my 20th birthday. Who am I? Here's the first hint, boys and girls. This guy, first of all, I'll give you two hints, all right? I'll give you two, I'll give you two hints. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling festive, all right? You uh, are. Uh, he's, uh, the, the first hint is he's very well-known. This is a very well-known fighter, okay? And my second hint, which was really going to be the hint for today, is he fought in multiple divisions, multiple weight classes. So uh, knowing that, before my 20th birthday, I beat four world champions and lost to another one who I also defeated just one month past my 20th birthday. Who am I? It's a well-known fighter, and he fought in multiple divisions. If you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G, 
Com, you win the prize. Hey, listen, boys and girls. Um, again, I apologize for uh, the unforeseen abstinences that uh, we had this week. That was totally my fault. Uh, we will be back uh, next week. I do have uh, uh, some special programming next week that we will talk about. Uh, but uh, I will uh, uh, be here on Monday. So uh, make sure you enjoy the fights this weekend. There's a lot of them. And uh, make sure you tune in right here Monday morning for my post-fight show, specifically on the big fights we talked about today. Uh, Monday morning, same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.